We believe that not just babies are born, mothers are born too. We're your hosts, Lara, a labor and delivery nurse and aspiring midwife, and Melissa, a mother and doula. Welcome to Mother Birth, a space for thought-provoking and inspirational conversations about birth and the deep exploration of what it means to become a mother. decided she wasn't okay with the idea that she couldn't have it all. She knew she wanted to be able to do meaningful work and be present as a mother. We talk about getting creative, using your intuition to find out what's going to work best for your family, and why leaning in may not be the best advice. Hi everyone, thanks for listening to the show. We're here with Laura and I, as well as a special guest today, Steph Crowder. Steph works with my husband, Chase, with The Fizzle Show, and she's excited to be here on the show today. She had a baby. Um, How old is Maddie now? She is about 10 months old. Actually, she is, fun fact, she is nine months older to the day than Etni is, Melissa's daughter. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So she was born on the 14th. Of May. Yep. Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm so excited about this new show. I think it's, gosh, when I was pregnant and before I was pregnant, this is definitely something I would have loved to have. So I think the work you guys are doing is, is so important and, and very fun too. Thank you. Yeah, we're, we're excited and sharing stories of the women that are in our lives and the women that come into our lives is kind of what the show's all about. So we're excited to get into your story today. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and your journey to becoming a mother, and then we'll get into some details. Awesome. So like Melissa said, I'm Steph and I am one third of uh, fizzle.co, which is a company that Chase, Melissa's husband, co-founded with Corbett Barr. It is a training platform and community for entrepreneurs, creatives, and freelancers. Uh, About two years ago, I joined those guys and I run um, our customer service as well as membership And, uh, I'm also a podcaster. I podcast on the fizzle show as well as my own podcast called courage and clarity, which is a, um, podcast that's really geared towards female entrepreneurs who are seeking inspiration and instruction for running their own businesses. So that's a little bit about what I do. I live in Chicago. Uh, My daughter, Madeline is 10 months old and I live with my husband and our dog. Um, you know, for me, the journey to motherhood has been, I was thinking about this before we got on. I I was, my first instinct is that I was like, well, it's been rather straightforward, but then the more I think about it, of course, it's not as simple as it appears, I guess. I think from a career perspective, it's been a really interesting journey and one that, um, if I really think about it has kind of changed my entire vision for my whole life. Um, Mm -hmm. I was not one of those kids that played with dolls growing up. Like, and the funny thing about that is I felt, I think I felt like I should, (laughs) you know, I, you know, people would get me dolls or I would see, not that my parent, my parents did not care, bless them. They were, they wanted me to be whoever I was, but my friends that I would make, or just, you know, people I would meet who were other girls, my age would be really into it. Um, family members, cousins, things like that. And I remember trying to get into it. Uh, even that, isn't that funny? Like at a young age feeling Mm -hmm. as though I should like it. And if I tried to put my baby to bed or whatever, maybe I'd have fun with it, but I just couldn't get into it. I was more into coloring and animals. And 
as I got older, uh, it became, I'm the oldest in my family and it became more and more clear that I was, um, driven by achievement in, <laughs> in, in, a, in a classic way. School, um, started having aspirations of the future, what my career would look like. Um, when I was in middle school, I begged my parents to help me put on my wall, like a floor to ceiling mural of New York city. I really believed I would be like a CEO in, <laughs> in New York city in some yeah. high rise, like living this. I truly, that like, that is the vision I had for my life. And I remember saying something like this to my parents when I was about that age, middle school. And I said, just sort of like nonchalantly to my parents, I'll, I'm not having kids. Hmm. And my mom cried and I was so confused <laughs> why. And she, she thought it was a comment on her parenting. And it's so, I, my, by the way, my parents, I'm so very close to them. Um, they showed nothing but like an amazing example for parenthood. So I don't really even know where this came from in me other than I think achievement always felt really good. And it's interesting to me that at such a young age, I didn't really... I couldn't possibly have the information that would later present itself to me or the perspective rather that motherhood would really complicate this vision that I had for myself. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that happened until I was really in the professional realm. So, you know, I went to college, I continued to do well there. Um, I got a great job here in Chicago. I was working for Groupon for five years. I started on the ground floor of that company and quickly grew, uh, at a young age to a director level position. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it was around this time, you know, through those five years, I, I got married. Um, John and I were college sweethearts. So we were always living here in Chicago together. And, and through that time we did get married and, yeah, we both knew. So somewhere along the way, my, my eighth grade self had changed and I did start to feel I would want to have kids someday, but it was always someday, right? Yeah. It was never, you know, I never thought to myself, uh, okay, well, here's how like the logistics, I guess I always thought the logistics would kind of present themselves or it would be, I just would worry about that later. Right. And in the meantime, I was just going to like chase, you know, the best job I could possibly have and money and ego and all those other things that feel important when I think are taught to, we're taught that they're important. Mm -hmm. And then yeah. you get out there and I got to, uh, this great, you know, job and I grew, like I said, up the ranks. And I just remember getting to this point where I'm going in every day early. I liked, I was the, you know, first in last out old school mentality, trying to impress people above me, which I did pretty well. Cause I figured out the rules of the game pretty easily. Mm -hmm. uh, it's pretty simple. It's pretty simple to do what they want. You know, it just yeah. imp impress them. And, I remember kind of looking around and I got to a point where the only women who were above me and luckily, I mean, wonderfully, there were women in high leadership positions, which I know is not always the case in some companies these days. Right. Um, the only women above me, it was like there was one of two types. There was one type that had just decided that children were not in their future, period. Mm -hmm. And they were happy with that, not, not begrudgingly as far as I could tell. And then there was a second kind of woman where her husband stayed home. And I was seeing that more and more where she was in at 8 a.m. and home at 7 p.m. And, you know, uh, fortunately enough for the, their family, they chose that the, you know, father would stay home, which I right. thought was great and admirable and really cool to be part of that. But the more I was immersed in this and I saw these two types, I did not see any other types. That was all there was. It was women who had intentionally chosen uh, to forego parenthood and women who had chosen for their partners to stay home with kids. Yeah. And uh, man, I just, 
I, I couldn't, I didn't, that didn't feel right with me. Um, and that was really hard. You know, I had worked super hard. Like I was the eighth grader with the New York city mural on my wall of aspirations of being a CEO. I used to ask my parents to drop me off at a Barnes and Noble when I was in middle school. So I could work on my writing. I was crazy. I was like, just so, I don't, they probably thought I was, I don't know. They were like, what's wrong with this kid? But you know, and then, so to get to this point where I was, I don't know, maybe 25 or 26 and, and I was like, Whoa, okay. This is what they mean when you hear you can't have it all. And I, I was really confused at that point. Uh, I didn't know what to do. And I did know I was starting to get to a point where, you know, having a baby was, uh, appealing to me or started to feel like something that I actually wanted to do. And, that was really, that was hard. I was not sure. Uh, and I dealt with a lot of ego stuff. I was, you know, I felt like I had worked so hard and I had earned all this salary and I didn't really know, I didn't really know what to do next in terms of being able to have the family life and also be present, you know? Mm -hmm. So that was, that was really confusing. Yeah. I'm so glad we're having this conversation because you're, that's so similar to my story. I, and mm -hmm. I spent my, you know, my adolescence and my early adulthood the same way and chasing those same achievements and, and, you know, not for bad reasons. I mean, the, right. I was legitimately driven to enjoy those things and to pursue them. Um, but I, you know, had the same dilemma of like, how do I be this person and have this family life? And for me, what it looked like is the first time around with my first son, I just, I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know how to immerse those or, you know, combine those two worlds in any kind of effective or, you know, um, enjoyable way. And it, it's been a really long journey. You are, yeah. you, you are so, it's so great that you're figuring this out now. Um, mm -hmm. and that you started this journey even before becoming a mother mm -hmm. instead of waiting and, you know, being five years into having kids and, and a career and realizing I never see my kids or, you know, whatever that ends up looking like for people. So what, mm -hmm. what did it look like then to, kind of immerse these different ideas. Yeah. Well, it's funny that you, what you just said is really interesting because it just jogged my memory. I, I reached a point where I definitely would describe myself as grasping. I was grasping for answers and I was turning a lot of different places. I remember reading Lean In by mm -hmm. Sheryl Sandberg and that only confused me and only frustrated me because yeah. her advice was essentially don't worry about it until you're until you know until you're in that position she basically says that a lot of women leave the workforce or worry about these things quote before you need to worry about them like before mm -hmm. you have the baby and so part of me was sort of like okay maybe exactly what you just said Melissa like maybe I just need to let it happen and have a baby and like see what happens but I was just so uncomfortable with that I just yeah. meet so 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 that was one option I knew of and then and meanwhile, I, this is where, so this is really interesting. Cause like all of these things that changed in my life were kind of happening at once. At the same time, I started becoming interested in entrepreneurship and mm -hmm. I started listening to, I don't even know how really how this began for me, but I started listening to podcasts, like podcasts became something in my life. And mm -hmm. I would listen to smart passive income by Pat Flynn as an example. And he's an example of somebody who is a parent mm -hmm. and talked about this like alternative uh, lifestyle that he was living where he was, he said that his why for creating an online business was he wants to be able to pick his kids up uh, every day from school. And all the, all the parents at the school are like, what is your job that allows you both to be here? And yeah. that really stuck with me. I heard that. And I, I started that once I heard that, 
I really couldn't let it go. I was like, man, this there's people out there like this guy. And eventually I found Fizzle and, and Jason Corbett, who I later joined, which is super weird because I listened to their podcast forever. And these guys <laughs> were like all doing the thing and living the life. And I was like, if these people can do this, like this is when I started to believe maybe there was an opportunity for me to not lose myself because it, it, it has always been important to me and has never stopped being important throughout my whole journey, pre-pregnancy, being pregnant, and then even in motherhood. I, I never lost my desire to have meaningful work that has yeah. just always been present. And once I started hearing and like, just, I started just getting addicted to these stories of parents out there, you know, entrepreneurship in general was interesting because, you know, hashtag digital nomad, whatever people, you know, there's like, I know yeah, this appeals right. to people for a number of reasons. And it's like the buzz of today it's to go out there and do this type of work where you can work from your laptop. That was all like interesting to me. But the number one thing were these stories I was hearing from people who were like, you know, able to be there for their kids and also do really cool, meaningful work. So mm -hmm. once I knew that that was an option, I just started like relentlessly pursuing that. Um, which like you said, it's funny because I didn't even have a baby. I wasn't pregnant. I just, I think I did crave. I wanted to be in a place where I felt like I had a game plan for what my family would look like, uh, before I went ahead and did that. So yeah. that's kind of how I got, you know, like I said, that's how I was introduced to this whole world. That's how I, you know, started, I joined the fizzle community as a member trying to build my own business and, and ultimately was able to join the team, um, as an employee, which has of course has totally given me exactly what I was hoping for. Mm -hmm. So yeah, the, I think that the, to answer your question, like, how did I combine those two things? I think that once I knew that there were people out there who were making this work, I just remember thinking like, why can't I do that? You know, but yeah. it wasn't that simple. It was hard because there was that other half of my brain that did look at these like women in my company who were smashing it and they're making, I don't even know how much money. And, and I struggled with that, you know, yeah. because that was always how I, that was always the measuring stick for my life. I, you know, my dad, I think a classic kind of dad of his generation, I would, whenever I would call him for career advice and one of his first questions would be, well, what's the salary like, or what's the money yeah, like? So yeah. I did feel I had to kind of unravel some of the things that, um, I had always judged my success on and instead look at this, um, this part of my life that doesn't have a monetary value necessarily, but it is worth money to me, you know, mm -hmm. to be able to parent in the way that I want to parent as well as have meaningful work. Yeah. yeah and I think that's a big, theme that people are maybe feeling in this, you know, this stage of life or even in our generation, the meaningful work piece, because I think there, there are times where you feel conflicted about, you know, working, not working, like you were saying, you had some conflict about like your husband being the person who stays home, mm -hmm. and you continuing the big work. But I feel like most people want to do do meaningful work in their life. And yeah. there are but there are people like I mean, I think the three of us are, are women who feel very strongly like about doing work mm -hmm. like I want. Mm -hmm. I know that I will always even, you know, when I get the opportunity to build my family, I still want to do the work that I feel called to do. Yeah. And I used to feel guilty about that if I was in co the company of stay at home moms. Mm -hmm. Like I would feel guilty about expressing that like, well, I, you know, and it's easy to say on the outside, like, well, I won't stay home because I have this other yeah. desire this other dream this other part of who I am but the older I get the more I'm like no this is who I am and if I don't actually find a life that can support and build that you know build alongside of that then I'm only doing myself and my future family a disservice right. so mm -hmm. in that way it is inspired like I, I relate to you in the fact of like you saw the path ahead of you and you're like I don't want those things I need to figure out 
a different path, even though you weren't, like you said, it's like putting the work in before you started your family. Like I can relate to that. And I think a lot of people can, because a lot of people are very driven and kind of find themselves in your boat where it's like, maybe you're in your mid twenties, maybe you're in your early thirties and you're like, I have what I want. I have pieces of what I want, but I'm still Mm -hmm. looking forward. Yeah. Yeah. And it never, it never stops being weird either. Like, you know, today, like I said, my daughter's about 10 months old and I have some mom friends that we get together with our babies who are all around the same age. And (laughs) I have to laugh just because I, you know, I live in Chicago and I don't live in a, I I don't really live in a community that's, Chicago is a huge place. There's tons of entrepreneurship, but that's not really my, like, I I don't hang out with a lot of those types of people for whatever reason, people I hang out with, like live a very normal life, uh, normal being traditional traditional, you know, employment, I would say. And so I'm with these other moms and there really are two types of moms there. There are moms who have chosen to stay home and moms who have gone back to work in a super, super traditional capacity. And they're all kind of looking at me and they're like, wait, so what, what do you do? Like I'm somewhere (laughs) between a stay at home mom and like what they see as a classically working mom. And it's, I can see how confusing it is. And they almost look at me like, wait, wait, but do you make money? It's so (laughs) bizarre. You know, I don't have a lot of other people in my space, at least my physical space that have quite figured this out yet. And, uh, I'm almost hesitant to talk about it sometimes because I know it's, I know it's like kind of out there, I think for Mm -hmm. people. Well, and it, you know, it's in some ways what many women, even if they haven't seen examples of it, like you did earlier that, that caused you to, to move forward in your life towards that. They, you know, when they do see it, it's like, it's, it's an enviable position, Mm -hmm. you know, to be able to, to, like you said, have it all, you know, and, and there's no such thing as having it all. We all, we all make sacrifices. We all compromise. There's, there's always things that are, you know, lacking or, or not quite where we want them to be. But it's a, it's a pretty great thing to be able to integrate these two worlds. And I think, you know, you, you mentioned reading Lean In and being frustrated by that idea that like, you know, just wait until it happens and you can figure it out then. Mm -hmm. And I think what you've been able to do is it's not like you had to figure out all the details. It's not like you had to know yep. exactly what you were going to do and exactly what the day-to-day was going to look like. There are so many variables. You don't know when you're going to have kids. You don't know what those kids are going to be like. You don't know what your, you know, what your work life will look like at that time, but you can you can begin to lay the groundwork for like how is there going to be space and not just like not just physical space, but like emotional and like mental and spiritual space for for like running these two totally different worlds like it's it's in a completely different energy and a completely different headspace to be a mom than it is to be you know focusing on building something um mm-hmm. that 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 is meaningful to you um and I read I read lean in as well like maybe two years ago and I read it specifically because I'd been kind of like exploring this idea for myself and using the language of like leaning back and Mm -hmm. realize like I'm kind of using this language as in you know in contrast to the language that that Cheryl uses in her book but I haven't read the book so I should probably read it before I like you know really like sink into this language and Mm -hmm. what I think it means and the thing that frustrated me so much about that book was this idea that like you know, you can, you can be this like, you know, corporate successful woman and have a family. You, but it was very obvious that in her world and and the way she was describing it, it's like the family is going to be the one 
that makes the sacrifices. Like that's yeah. where that's the part that's going to like to suffer. Yeah. And she talked about like, you know, set set your life up so you can be home for dinner. And then once the kids go to bed, you can get back on your laptop yes. for three hours. Oh my and God. it's like, no, I've done that for a decade. That there's no life there. Like yep. there's no life there. That's not the meaningful work. Like I have been on my laptop till midnight for years and I don't want to be on my laptop till midnight. That's that's the part that is like that's draining me. Mm-hmm. So it, you know, I, I felt the same way about that book. Um, yeah. And it's funny too, the way you said that was perfect, which is that like that, yes, the family, I, I did also get the sense. And of course I, I am now grossly paraphrasing, but I also walked away with the feeling that part of the theme was sort of, you know, Oh, kids are really flexible and yeah. uh, don't worry. Like they won't notice too much that you're working, <laughs> you know, and I was sort of like, right. Oh man, but like, but I'll notice, you know, and, and it's yeah. not, it's, I, it took me a long time to wrap because at first I had all, and then actually, even when I made this transition before I was pregnant, cause it's not like I, I didn't leave my corporate job when I was pregnant. I had a transition to working at home and having this different, um, totally different lifestyle. And I remember having all these questions like, am I not ambitious anymore? I mean, there's mm-hmm. all these questions that get brought up about it that are really challenging. And yes, so some of these counter uh, arguments to be made in books like that, I think really only serve to complicate the the question, I think. Yeah, definitely. So you made the transition to a totally different kind of work setup and approach. And then when, how long did you do that before you got pregnant with Maddie? Okay. So let me see. I joined, so I made this transition in my life. It was actually almost, almost, it's getting close to being exactly two years ago now. And then, uh, it was not super long later that I became pregnant, which honestly, and (laughs) like, I actually was one of those things where I feel like I've had a lot of people in my life who are like, you know, you might have trouble and I didn't have any trouble at all. So it actually happened really right away, which I wasn't fully expecting, but was still wonderful. Um, so it was, before I became pregnant, it was probably about, um, maybe like six months, um, of working and getting used to this new transition where, and you know, again, it wasn't really, and and this is interesting too. I never really thought about this before, but now that we're talking about it, it makes sense. John and I were, you know, we didn't have a, a very, a very, very rigid plan for when exactly we wanted this to happen. We were just sort of getting to the space where we were becoming comfortable with, uh, it going in that direction. So mm-hmm. now that I'm thinking about it, that probably had a lot to do with the ease that came with Maddie coming into our lives because mm-hmm. we didn't, and I have, a, I'm sure you guys do too. Uh, we have a lot of friends who are like, okay. And then on January 1st, I will conceive. And we just never did it that yeah. way. And I think that this new, I really, I've never thought about this, but I think this new space I had created in my life, you know, working on this business that I really care a lot about. I love what I do at Fizzle. I love our mission and I love my team. And I felt so engaged and I had never worked like this before where I remember my first day of working in my home office, I woke up and I was like, Oh my God, like, do I have a job still? I was really nervous. (laughs) And it was so different than anything I'd ever done. I like logged online and I was like, Hey, is anybody out there? And, uh, I think that it did create this new energy for me. I was able to be a bit more, free flowing and less regimented. I'm sure that if I had stayed in the corporate realm, I would have really tried to plan absolutely everything. So it was kind of nice that it just sort of, we just kind of flowed into it. And, um, yeah, we found out that I was pregnant later that later that same year. Very cool. Um, and then tell us a little bit about your pregnancy with Maddie and we can talk a little bit about your birth and how that went. 
Yeah. So it was interesting because, um, so yeah, I became pregnant. I was really excited, but I also, like I said, I'm the oldest in my family. I have some, um, family that I'm close to like more distantly that had had kids, but this was, I'm younger, uh, relatively speaking. So I, I don't have any friends. I really don't have a lot of friends that have had kids before. So I am very much the first. And that was a whole set of challenges I didn't expect. I was excited to be pregnant, but I was also pretty nervous just because I didn't really, I really didn't know the first thing about anything. Um, I did from a pretty early, uh, pretty early in my pregnancy, I knew that approaching things a bit more naturally was going to be my emphasis or my focus. Mm -hmm. I was always interested in having a more natural birth. Um, probably has something to do with my lifestyle. I consider myself a pretty healthy person. I, my mom is a health coach. She's very, very organic and healthy. So I think that that's just always been an influence on me. So basically from the get go, I feel like when I got pregnant, it was kind of like a mad dash or scramble to try to learn as much as I could. And, I don't understand how people were pregnant before there was the internet because I Googled so many things. And I just remember being like, how do people like, is this normal? And I just, I can't even believe how many things, how many questions I had. And I didn't feel like I had a lot of places to turn to. Uh, I also faced a lot of resistance with, uh, like I said, being the first among my close friends, at least to have kids or have a child. I, once I expressed my interest or desire to give birth naturally, I was met with a lot of like people thinking I was crazy, hmm. <laughs> which I feel like and I'm at least I remember talking to you and it was great to talk to you and to chase because of course you guys are all about it. And it made me feel very not crazy, but I would, you know, my girlfriends like in my book club, for example, would, and, and I really don't think they were at all intending to be, um, discouraging, but they were just sort of like, why would you do Why would you put yourself yeah. through that? Like what, <laughs> like, hello, like this it's a modern valid question. <laughs> it totally is. It totally is. But they were kind of saying funny things that I like laugh at now where they were sort of like, well, good for you, but that's not for me or like, give me the medicine. And it really made me feel, uh, I, I remember looking at myself being like, what, why I had to kind of dig deep into myself and say, why am I trying to do this in the first place? So for me, the one really important part of my pregnancy was finding, like I said, you know, finding a new community for myself. I really didn't have, uh, people that I could talk to about this kind of thing. So for me, I was really lucky. I found, um, well, first of all, I, chose my, of course, where I would give birth based on wanting to be with midwives who I felt really comfortable with, um, which was also kind of a hard decision because here in Chicago, there's a tremendous women's facility at Northwestern, which is much more conventional. Not that Mm -hmm. they don't do natural birth, but it's certainly not the emphasis. Um, and I knew people would had an amazing experience there. It's like a hotel. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I was sort of, people were like, aren't you going to give birth there? But I really decided I went with this other group that was, uh, midwives that had a birth center within a hospital. And I really liked the balance of be doing things more naturally with sort of the comfort of modern medicine close by. That was like my mm-hmm. comfort zone. I wanted to feel, cause this was all new for me. I wanted to feel like if anything went wrong, they were right there, but I really did want to have this natural approach. So luckily for me, um, once I started seeing them, I was referred to a, a, an excellent birth, uh, group or a birth class here in Chicago. And that's where I met the women who are, who are my friends today. It was fun because we took the class together. We were all pregnant. Now our babies are all the same yeah. age and we're still friends. So that was really neat. But mm-hmm. for me it was, and especially I think like we were talking about, because I work at home, I work from home. I like, it was really important for me to get out and find a community that was going to support me through this. Yeah. Definitely. 
And I love that those, the women in your book club and whoever else, that they kind of challenged you because I think that yeah. sometimes we need that. We need to like explore why am I doing this? You know, because mm-hmm. if, if you, if you pursue something like natural birth just for the badge, you know, just for the, yeah. the pat on the shoulder, it's like, no, that's a, it's probably not going to happen for you. And B like, that's really not the reason to do it. So yeah. I love that. I love that you had the opportunity to kind of, you know, dig deep, like you said, and say, okay, why, you know, why is this important to me? Why is this something I value? And mm-hmm. then you were able to find and surround yourself with people that, that could support that, that value Mm -hmm. and that vision, because that's, that's the other critical piece is that, you know, motherhood and the decision-making in motherhood can be extremely isolating. And when you're, when you're just like an island to your own, it's, it's impossible to do. Um, Yeah. So I'm Mm -hmm. glad you found, I'm glad you found that community. Yeah. It's, it's funny that you say that. I really had thought about it that way, but I think you're right. I mean, back to the beginning of this conversation, my, um, propensity to chase achievement, it may have been another manifestation of that, at least in the the beginning. I I can relate to that. Yeah. 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 And I I think I feel there are lots of people who can relate to that, or even just because I think it it is more prevalent now and just like everything, you know, there's more exposure, there's more media. It's like, there is a there is a, it's a good positive energy of moving things back to being kind of more like low intervention but I also think it kind of comes with this thing where it's like oh well I, I think I should do that like mm-hmm. that sounds like the thing that people are doing now so I should do that and you know we talk about it a lot on the show but I, I, I was thinking about this in the interview with Becca because I said like well what are you going to do to get ready because hmm. you know it's like supporting women I'm like yeah it's a great decision and I you know and it's not for everybody and I feel like once you make that decision it's like okay well if this is something you want to do, like, it's not just something that you're like, I'm going to do it. Like, that's the the achiever mentality is like, I can do it because I do the things that I say I'm going to do. Right. But yeah. then, if, then if you face that moment with that mentality versus the, we've talked about this, like, I can do this because intuitively my body can do this. Right. Intuitively as a woman, I can, I can, I can basically humble the achiever part of me and say, I actually can do this because I'm built to do this, not because I'm the person who can do stuff. Like, mm-hmm. Those are really different energies yeah. to bring into labor. Like, yeah. I'm going to conquer this labor versus yeah. like, I'm going to experience it. Yeah. I think what you just said is so important too. And that was my experience. Some of the only people in my life who had had babies or who I'm, you know, extremely close to family wise are my cousins who I look up to. And both of them had just recently, they're twins. So they had just had babies. And I remember talking to them about my desire to give birth. And I, probably approached it, uh, give birth naturally. And I think I approached it pretty naively. I was like, Oh, I'm, you know, I'm going to do it naturally. And they were sort of like, okay, yeah, well, you know, we went into it thinking we would too. And you just wait, like, it's not going to go that way. And I (laughs) I remember feeling like, Oh, okay. Well, wow. So I think that what you just said, Laura is really important. And I think that hearing that kind of feedback made me really think to myself, okay, this is about more than just like setting my mind to some arbitrary goal. And, and there was a whole lot of, preparation that went into it for John and I, which was really, which was really, really cool and not like totally an unexpected byproduct of this whole pregnancy thing. Hmm. John ended up taking such a more active role than I think is maybe what people would consider classic, you know, a classically, a classic role for a dad or a partner Mm -hmm. in a a delivery room situation. He just, he got so into it and it would, I know I can tell for sure that it wouldn't have happened 
if it, they, I just feel that we had really decided to take an active role in this whole thing. Cause what I, what became very clear to me is it would have been incredibly possible to just kind of like let pregnancy happen to me and mm-hmm. then birth. Cause that baby's coming out one way or another, right? Like you don't really mm-hmm. have to do anything if you don't want to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we really got into it and, you know, John read the, I'm sure you guys have probably read this book probably, but it was like, whenever people ask what to read, I always recommend the birth partner because as yeah. soon as John read that book, I feel like he knew he had sort of more of like, okay, my job is this, like my job is labor. I am the labor master. Yeah. I would like, turn, <laughs> I would ask him questions. He knew more about what was, what to be looking for than I did. And being mm-hmm. able to have that sort of like elevating his role was really, really cool and meaningful for us in our marriage, in our relationship. And that was completely unintended, but that was like something that I will always look back on really fondly because it was something that I really feel that we did together, which was, which was really neat. Yeah. We, we, literally buy that book for people because it is so good and I carry that book around with me I'm like wait a second let me let me I love that it's so referenceable like that's one of the things that's so great about that book aside from the Mm -hmm. content is that it's very very easy to use and to reference and to like kind of just digest the information from so Mm -hmm. that's exactly yeah that's great so tell us about your birth how did how did things go Yeah. So things, uh, I think I had, I really have no complaints at all about my birth. Um, I feel very fortunate that things went pretty, pretty much according to how I would have hoped I went into it. You know, it took, we took our birth class really seriously, (laughs) like really, really seriously. (laughs) And, uh, John would, of course, like there was, you know, other partners at the class. And there was like this one dad who was always on his phone and John would get really mad. He's like, that dad needs to get off his phone, take his job seriously. So <laughs> we got, we got really into it. And, um, we had a doula and that is something that I have, I've had, I've since had people approach me asking, you know, sort of like, in like, timidly interested in natural birth. And one of the first things I say is just get a doula, just like get a doula. Just, just do it. Like, first of all, it's not expensive. Secondly, it's just like they're worth their weight in gold. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. we had this doula who was fantastic. Her name was Nikki and she came over to our house and just taught us some labor positions around our house that we could do, you know, on the couch, on the like yoga mat with the ball. We kind of just had like stations set up around our house, which was really helpful. We had been in the birth class in their space doing the positions, but there was something about having it like her set up us up in our own house that I found to be really, really helpful. Cause I could, inv- suddenly I could envision what this day was going to be. You know, when you're yeah. in the classroom, you're sort of like, okay, I hope I remember this. But when you're in your house, it's like, okay, over here by the wall, we did this thing. And on the couch, I did right. that. And so that was really when that, when she came and taught us that I was like, wow, okay, I can kind of start to see like what this is going to be like. So then mm-hmm. the excitement just built was building. And I was really, really nervous. I mean, I, I didn't know what my pain tolerance was leading up to this. I had never had any kind of, I mean, thank God I'd really never had a a test of my pain before I've been really healthy Mm -hmm. through my life. So I was sort of unsure. I I'm kind of see myself as a panicker. Like (laughs) I don't, (laughs) I don't really think I'm, uh, when things like when things happen, you're not really the, I'm not the person who's going to like be capable of doing CPR. I I freak out a little bit. So I was sort of unsure of how, what my response was going to be. Um, and I had heard other moms say that as your pregnancy goes on that, cause going into it, I was afraid, but then as my pregnancy wound down, it really is true. What a few people told me, which was like that fear was totally replaced with 
excitement. I was just ready to get the show on the road. I was really, people told me that would happen. And I was sort of like, there's no way, like I'm always going to be scared, but I really did stop being afraid, which I think is a has to be some kind of amazing biological feature. It's (laughs) it's a total feature of late pregnancy because you, you, you know, even if you are healthy and are having a normal pregnancy, you're so uncomfortable by the end, you're not sleeping, you know, Mm -hmm. it's hard to move. It's hard to do all these things. And and even if you've had babies before, you kind of like you, you just kind of are so in the moment of of sort of the discomforts of late pregnancy that you're like, let's just get this over with. Like, let's just get the baby here. I have a friend who just recently had a baby and she was overdue and she was texting me and, and I had just had our daughter and she was like I just want to get this baby out I'm like do I need to text you a picture of my bleeding nipples like just leave the baby inside (laughs) you really really just want to get that baby out and it overrides any of the fear you have about what that's going to be like yeah, it is really funny. And that actually reminds me, I can't believe I forgot to bring this up, but I went to the day I went an entire week. I was an entire week late. Um, mm. It was June, May 8th. I had Maddie on May 14th. So I guess it's not a whole week, but it's darn close. Yeah. And <laughs> every like day that time. I was overdue, I cried. <sighs> I cried every day. I was like, oh my gosh, this has to end. So yes, I mean, it was funny. I ended up eating my words because in the beginning I was like, I'm going to be so scared when my due date comes. And at the end, I would just would have done anything yeah. to go into labor. So that was <laughs> really funny. Um, and especially cause I had a few false starts, like my, um, mm-hmm. I think around May 8th or 7th when I was due my, one of my, one of my midwives swept my membranes, which for, if people don't know what that means, basically they just really get up in there and kind of try to shake things loose a little bit to get things yeah. started. <laughs> and, uh, I was told I had a very a quote unquote, a very successful sweep. And I was already, I think three centimeters dilated at that mm-hmm. point. So I, there, she even was literally like go outside, have a walk around the park. Like I wouldn't be surprised if I see you in here later today. So we were like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like this is great. So no, that was like a whole week beforehand. So that was, that made it, I think that made that week really hard because we took the walk in the park and nothing happened. And that continued for like days on end. So that was, that was challenging. Midwives should not be allowed to say that they should only be allowed. They should only be allowed to say things like your baby's probably never coming. And then then you're just pleasantly surprised. Yep. And I've told myself one thing I learned is my, if I am lucky enough to have a second baby at some point, I am going to literally tell myself and everybody I know that my due date is an entire week later because Mm -hmm. I just can't, I need to just change my mind on that because I totally got my hopes up. Um, so that week kind of passed and then, um, the show kind of started getting on the road. It was a Friday. It was a Friday the 13th, which I actually didn't love. I was like, Oh God, really? Um, (laughs) so it was like a whole day affair. I think I had woken up at like two o'clock in the morning and I was sort of like, okay, I I had been getting kind of crampy on and off for all week. And I didn't really know. I was sort of like, what, you know, when is this going to really pick up? And I remember going upstairs and one of the things we'd learned in our birth class was like, if you, you know, babies tend to start coming in the middle of the night. And if you wake up, you need to let your partner try to sleep because they're going to have a busy day. So as much as I wanted to wake John up, I just kind of like, I made myself lay there. First of all, it's like, okay, you need to sleep because this, this could be happening. So I made myself lay there kind of like roughly timing things. It's absolutely erratic. There's no, you know, rhyme or reason to what I'm feeling. And I can really, I have to kind of focus to feel it. It's, it keeps yeah. slipping away from me. So then I ended up going upstairs and I think I was like texting one of my friends who was up early and I was like, I think something might be happening. And I remember I actually was supposed to go to my midwives that morning anyway for like my 41 week 
you know, basically walk in there and say, all right, well, like, what are we going to do? And so I, I remember, th- I remember thinking we are probably not going to go to that appointment. Cause I think that we should just let nature take its course here. So when John woke up, I told him and he was so excited. And I said, before we do anything else, I want to walk down the street and get like the biggest stack of pancakes that mankind can offer me because <laughs> I have a sense that this is going to be like a, the main affair. So we went and did that. And I was like, totally fine. I was feeling things on and off. Um, but again, it was really, it was like so far apart. I didn't really know if it was going to be the real thing. So that was the day where that whole day on that Friday, those positions in my house that my doula had taught me or taught us really came in handy. I mean, we, we just spent the day going through those and I had, you know, my favorite music playing in my house. And it was, I will always remember it as a very relaxing day. It was really not, um, this like scary, like rush to the hospital thing that I thought, you know, I had always imagined, or you see in the movies, it was quite peaceful. And uh, again, frankly, we just weren't really sure if this was going to happen because it was just, it was just still so erratic and it did kind of keep slipping away. It'd be like, you know, five minutes, not not, probably not five minutes, but like eight minutes apart here. And then nothing for 15 minutes. Right. So that went on for a while, um, for that whole day. And then we, John, at a certain point I said, John, I think you better go out and get us dinner. So he got dinner, came back, we ate. And then all of a sudden, I just swear out of nowhere, things just really took off. Like all of a sudden Mm -hmm. I was really starting to, everything got kicked up a notch. Um, And it was funny because he got us Chipotle. <laughs> and so people have joked like it was like a spicy. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like all of a sudden I was like ready to go. And uh, we were still doing at this point. It was cool, too. I liked the the um, relationship that our doula had in this story because she didn't come over. She was just texting with us all day, which for mm-hmm. us, I think, was really nice because we didn't, we, uh, John felt really strongly that he wanted to be like the partner and he had always been a little bit, he liked our doula, but he was a little nervous of what that would look like. And mm-hmm, he yeah. wanted to feel like the main support. So it was nice to be able to text her all day. And she was giving us tips and, you know, asking us to check in in an hour or whatever. So again, yeah. things started to really kick up a notch in the evening. They were contractions coming much sooner. I was, or much closer together. I was definitely, you know, head down kind of having to really get through them more, but again, still much more manageable than I expected at this point. I thought mm. it, it was still like totally something that felt within my realm or within my power. Um, just, you know, doing all the things that we were taught and trying to get from one wave to the next, and we reached a point where uh, we were kind of at that weird point where we we're sort of like, all right, I think we should go. Should we go? I was ready to go. And John kind of wanted to wait. And that was one thing we learned in our birth class, too, is this instructor was like, when mom's ready to go, like, yeah. that's when you go. You're the boss. And- Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it was like pouring down rain again. It was Friday the 13th. It was nighttime. And, uh, I'd always heard that the car ride is like the, the, the worst part. And I had heard horror stories of P of like labor slowing down in the car. And I was really Mm -hmm. scared of that. Like getting to the hospital only to find that you have to like do laps walking around because they're not ready to admit you. So it was my big goal to not have to get back in the car and go home or it just wasn't, I was like, when we go, it, it needs to be time. Yeah. And, and luckily that's exactly what happened. So I got to the uh, check-in or whatever. And the midwife took one look at me and was sort of like, all right, we're going to check you, but we're pretty sure that this is happening. And uh, lo and behold, I was seven centimeters at that point. Nice. I got ch- checked into my room at 1030 and Maddie was born at 1238. So I was wow. not there for very long. And, uh, That's so ideal. 
It really was. It was the only thing that was unideal, not ideal, was at that point the doula when we left for the hospital. We said, okay, like come meet us. And since it was so stormy and rainy, she really almost missed the whole event. And mm. once we got into the room, everything that is when things like had the world had kind of like tilted and slipped away from me. And John started to be unable to support me fully right. because I kind of started to panic, uh, yeah. probably cause that was when I, what I understand is transition yeah. and I, you know, everything just got crazy from then on out. So, you know, it was interesting. Like I look back and I've had a few people approach me about natural birth. And, and what I always say is like a few things surprised me. first of all, uh, it was, yes, it was very, painful or I don't know. Yes, it was painful, but it was so short. It was intense. Yes. And it was so short in the scheme of things. And secondly, I always thought I would have to do more. Like, I, I don't know about you, Melissa, but for me, like I literally just had to like white knuckle my way through it. And I remember even being surprised that like, okay, my body's just doing this. (laughs) Like I just have, I just have to like live through it. And, uh, that's exactly what happened. And I was also very surprised. I was extremely vocal. I was like Mm -hmm. very much yelling and had no control over that, which nobody warned me about that. So hopefully for anybody listening, that's not, (laughs) that doesn't scare you. I don't say that to scare you as much as nobody told me that that was like a normal thing that could happen is that you might just start like yelling or making whatever noise that you need to make. And that was, that was very much my experience. I remember thinking to myself like, Oh my God, stop yelling but I just couldn't it was like part of the it was part of the physical experience yeah. <laughs> so yeah so yeah so Maddie came at 12 38 and um and everything was everything went pretty pretty according to the plan which was I'm very thankful for yeah I do very much relate to sort of that experience of of birth and just kind of having to just get through it and each of my births have been different, but they've all shared that quality of, of just being really hard and really intense. And, you know, I've like always dreamed of being that like hypnobirthing mom that's just like in the tub, just meditating. Yes. And, <laughs> like, you know, peacefully passing this child into the world. And I just haven't had that experience any, any time. And I think that, that that's okay. Like, it's not, it's not always going to be it's not going to look a certain way just because, you know, even with this last birth, which was a home birth. And I, I held hope that like, maybe it will, maybe it will like actually feel totally different because I'm at home and I'm in this like really safe, comfortable, like beautiful environment. And right. it was, it didn't feel any different. It was just as intense and just as like challenging. Um, but I was, I was definitely able to like mentally and emotionally, position myself very differently and then the transition afterwards was extremely different and you know so so much better than my other birth experiences have been but it didn't change like how it felt and how I experienced it in my body you know can we talk about this I remember having to like afterwards when I went for my you know follow-up shortly thereafter it's my midwife who and I saw the same midwife who who delivered Maddie and I was like kind of, I was embarrassed. I just, I was very aware of the sounds coming out of me. And I had yeah. I just sort of sheepishly was like, cause she was, she was very sweet. She's like, do you want to talk about anything? And I was like, uh, do people yell like that? <laughs> and she was like, uh, yes, this is natural birth. Like you were like, you know, she made me feel much better, but I remember like, I I felt so self-conscious about that. Like mm-hmm. talk about just the, I think vulnerability of it. I, I never pictured myself being so vulnerable to the people that were in the room to the point right. where, 
it just like whatever was happening was happening. And uh, that was a very, very humbling, humbling experience for right. someone who I think tends to like to maintain control like I do. So yeah. it was it was weird and interesting, but and, beautiful. <laughs> right. And you do have to process that afterwards because in the moment you're not even like you you don't give to. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's something you have to process that vulnerability afterwards. And yep. I think there are a lot of women and in, in you you kind of mentioned this. It's that moment, the tra- like that moment of transition where you kind of have to find you have to find your thing. And for a lot of people, it's finding their voice. And I, I say that to, to laboring moms, like you need to find that voice because yeah. people will fight it and kind of be like, uh, uh, I don't know. like, and it's like it's from that energy that it's like this thing is happening and it's really intense and I have to find a way to express that. Yeah, because my body's doing all these other things and I have to do these things to keep my body comfortable. Yeah, but it, I feel like the voice part is like is almost the emotional part, mm-hmm. which is probably mm-hmm. part of why it's so vulnerable. Is it's just like you're it's almost like you're literally saying like this hurts like, yeah. or this is intense, like whatever, you know, whatever vocabulary you want to use. It's like that voice is saying like this is happening right now. It's getting more intense. It's more and more intense right now. It's more and more, more, more intense, more and more, more intense. OK, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. And it's like, it's a very, I mean, like normal is such a whatever word, but it's, it's, that's the space. That's, that's the space we sit in with people who decide to have unmedicated laborers. You have to find something to, and and, you know, not to get all like National Geographic, but it's like every animal does that. Yeah. Yes. Like animals are not sitting like in the, in the corner of the jungle, like I'm having a baby. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. It's coming out. It's like I've seen goats give birth. I've seen horses. It's like people are making noise. It's, yeah, um, little bones and stuff is like uh, bones and sacks and organs that are coming yep. out. It's a big deal. Yeah, lots of elbows. It's, <laughs> Just, I feel it's like, funny that you say that too. That I hadn't really fully comprehended that being part of sort of the emotional experience. But now that I, I haven't thought about this in a while now, but that was something that was when I wasn't yelling, there were things I was saying that I almost like unintentionally was saying. And a few times I did say to no one in particular, I was saying things like, I'm frightened. I'm afraid. I, I yeah. said those things a couple of times. And I remember the people who were there were just wonderful. And they were like, you're safe, you're safe. And I yeah. really did have to keep hearing that. And I was just, I just felt the need to say like, I'm frightened. And yeah. I don't even know where that came from because I don't remember feeling, I think the thing that scared me is in my class, that's the one thing that I still don't quite understand is in my, in all the classes and everything I read, they were like, don't push until they tell you to push. Like the thing that surprised me is my body was like pushing Pushing. from the inside. And I was like, I remember saying like, I'm pushing, I'm pushing, I'm scared. I'm pushing. And then in the midwife was like, it's fine. It's fine. Let it happen. But that was very scary because I always imagined that it would be like intense, intense, intense. And then it'd be time to push. They always say that. And of course time did come where I did push actively, but I didn't really, I was not prepared that like my body would be pushing very much before anybody. Involuntarily. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that did scare me. I was, I was scared and I, and I had to be, I had to be reassured at that point. So that was like, that was probably the only thing that really sticks out as being, you know, I don't know, scary or challenge, really, really challenging beyond, you know, the, the uh, intense pain, uh, element. But, and there was a certain point too, where, I did have to have oxygen. I had to wear an oxygen mask, which looking back, I'm surprised at how little that scared me because they were very reassuring about it. It was just that when a big contraction came, Maddie's heart rate was dropping a bit. Um, Mm -hmm. But so that was like the only thing that happened where 
that definitely increased my desire to get her to, to get her out because, um, because that was happening, that deceleration in her heart rate. I, I, now that I, again, I haven't thought about this in a little while. It's funny what you forget, but I was only, the midwife was only having me push on every other contraction, which was, I've told people mm-hmm. this who've had babies and they're like, how did you do that? Right. And you know, cause you want to push, you want to push. So that was a little hard where every contraction I was like, can I push on this one? Can I push on this one? And, and I had to do every other. So that part was a little intense, but luckily, um, everything, everything happened so quickly that I didn't really have time to be in anyone's space for too long. And that was the hilarious part. Again, being a planner and a, what, you know, a type a more type a type person. I toured my, like when I was pregnant early in my pregnancy, I toured this birth center, made the decision to give birth here, you know, largely because of the facility. And there was like this tub, you know, there was the jacuzzi whirlpool tub. And I remember being like, Oh, I'm going to be in that tub with the jets hitting my back. You guys, I never left the bed. Like (laughs) I couldn't even leave the bed because it was so by the time I got there, it was just, the show was just uh, like, it was just going. So it's just funny that I was so attached to this tub and I literally never even made it off the bed. Yeah. Well, you had things moved so quickly once you got there, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. It's that's great. Yeah. I think the the um, the piece of like something, you know, happening near the end that it's like, OK, now this baby's got to come. It's like those moments are scary, but a lot of times they're actually really what what everyone kind of needs to make it happen. And, yes. and I've I've certainly had that, too, where it's like, OK, now this baby is going to come. And when you tell me to push like I not that I wasn't pushing before, but like things are like I'm going to make this baby be born. Like I, when Aiden was born, I had his OB say like, you know, and I'd been pushing for a long time at that point, And there were a few complications. But, you know, she basically said, like, if he's not born, you know, in the next couple pushes like we're gonna have to pull him back up and cut him out and I was like oh "Oh, hell no you think I'm not pushing this baby out I'm pushing this baby out and I push that baby out and and I'm not suggesting I wouldn't have if she hadn't said that but that like really flipped a switch in me and I was like yeah this baby is coming out yeah it becomes something to focus on for sure yeah definitely so let's transition back a little bit to kind of where we started, I want to hear what it's been like to actually be a mother in this new kind of career space and and the way you've crafted your life to be able to integrate these two different worlds. I want to hear how that has actually been. I know you had um, maternity leave at the start and and then came back to work around three months. Is that, mm-hmm. is that right? Yeah, yeah. So just tell us what that looked like. I'm so happy that you're asking about this and I'm so excited to talk about it just because it is, it is really, I don't know. It's It is really something that I didn't anticipate in terms of, I guess I didn't go. It's it's not that it didn't go smoothly because it totally did, but I didn't expect a lot of the own, a lot of my emotional challenges that I had around this whole thing. I really thought it would be more seamless than it was, which was okay. Mm -hmm. It's all part of the process, but there were a few things that made it, um, just a very instructive and a really great learning, learning experience. So my situation is unique for a number of reasons. Um, of course, one of which is the fact that I work (laughs) out of my house for a very, very small company. Another thing is it is all dudes and myself. (laughs) So, you know, it's, you know, at the time there were actually three guys and now it's two. So there's, you know, two men who are 
lovely, tremendous people. They're, they've always been so supportive of me and like nothing but excited and nothing but, you know, supportive of whatever I wanted to do, which is great. And like, I can't even articulate how fantastic that's been. But at the same time, there was like a point where I think I was talking to Corbett, who's the CEO of, of Fizzle. And he was sort of like, all right, so what do you want to do for maternity leave? And I was like, oh God, I have no idea. You know, there hadn't really yeah. been like any kind of parental leave in place. Cause it's just such a small, small company. So it was a little challenging, like figuring out what to even ask for. I didn't know. I mm-hmm. didn't know what I would need. And I really wanted to set the right expectations. So again, here I am kind of like the beginning of the story, like balancing my own ego. And I faced a lot of challenges around just had a lot of questions in my head. Like, are they going to think I was very concerned that they would think, or be afraid that I wouldn't want to come back or that I wouldn't be the same when I came back. And I felt like really desperate to prove that more so. And that was so not something they impressed upon me. It was a hundred percent in my own head. Um, so I felt really, um, you know, I just felt really just compelled to be the same Steph that I was before I left. And that is looking back. I'm like, that is just so unreasonable of me for myself. Um, you're actually a different person now. Totally, totally. And not to mention they're like the most understanding people. And so I don't know where I like, why I put this on myself, but it was interesting because maternity leave, I think was a challenge for me as well, because I've just never been through something like that before where, and Melissa, you're kind of, you're absolutely living this right now all over Mm -hmm. again, where the day, like the days turn into the nights and you're like, what day is it? What time is it? And I have never had the experience of like time passing in this way that was so unstructured. It really got to me in the beginning, um, compound, I mean, add that to all the emotional, you know, chemical changes you go through postpartum, which are all normal. And, you know, that's just part of the process. Your, you know, hormones are changing like crazy. And this all just had like a, a big profound impact on my self, self, I think self-worth is probably the right word because I think we all inadvertently tie some of our self-worth to our careers and our work. And we're sort of taught to do that. So I was, and how we spend our time, just literally how we spend our days. Yep. And before I had a baby, I was really the type of person who took value in like structuring my days. I scheduled everything. Mm -hmm. I was, you know, sit down at my desk at this time. And I have not gone back to that since I had a baby, which is really interesting. I, it started going in that direction when I was pregnant, just because as you very well know, and in recent memory for you, Melissa, some days are just better than others. And I kind of had to ride that. Like some days during my pregnancy, I was like smashing through stuff. Other days I just had to nap three different times. And I'm very, very, very fortunate that I have this cultivated, this workspace that allows me to have the freedom to make those decisions in my own like sphere of our business. Um, but that has not actually changed now that I am back. And I think that that has been so transformational for me, like for who the the woman that I'm becoming, where Mm -hmm. I no longer derive so much of my self-worth on like, you know, at eight o'clock I do this and at 10 o'clock I do that. And I do have some, a a bit of structure because I have a nanny who comes to my house and helps me for, for a good chunk of my day. Not, not the whole day, but about six hours a day. I have help here in my home, which I love. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, the, the change has been, you know, I've had to really prioritize like in it, it's helped me, I think, become a savvier businesswoman because mm-hmm. I am now I probably would have like taken on things in the past that I just felt like I needed to fill the time or I wasn't as productive or as efficient. I think I am operating at like peak Max. efficiency. Oh my gosh, <laughs> absolutely. You know, because I'm sort of like, all right, well, I have this much time today. I have and seven I, minutes. Yes, I, yeah, I have. <laughs> 
like a 45 minute nap and I can answer all my emails and do these other things that would take me three hours before I was pregnant. Absolutely. So, so it's taught me a lot about, you know, I've, I've had to let go of projects that just are not going to be personal, personally fulfilling or advance our business. And mm-hmm. so, um, and it's definitely made me go to bat for, you know, the things I really do want to be working on. And so, so it's been, it's been so, so positive to go through this, but the path to get here has been challenging just because it is so different. It's so different than what we're taught. It's just, that's the thing I can't get over is like, you know, I go back to my corporate days and I I just never imagined that this would be where I am now, where it's like, I just have to really tap into that intuition and understand that, you know, after a particularly challenging night where like teething is just like ravaging my life, it's not Mm going to be the best work day I've ever had. And like, it's more about the big picture than it is about impressing other people on a day-to-day basis with like how long my butt is in the chair. You know, that's been like the big takeaway for me. Yeah. I, I think that's huge. That's, yeah, I definitely relate to that as well. I'm curious what you think, you know, because we're, we're sitting here and talking about this from the perspective of, you know, being entrepreneurial and, and, you know, crafting our lives in ways that, that create this space and allow us to make these choices. And I'm curious just what your thoughts are in, for women who do have more traditional careers or jobs that, you know, may, it may not be either an option or a desire for them to to shift that because of again you know either things you know that would prevent that or because they actually love what they do but it is mm-hmm. potentially more traditional in terms of hours or you know involvement or that kind of thing like what do you see i i know you've you've mentioned intuition a couple of times like what do you see as as being at the core of this that could apply to anyone You know, it's such a, that's such a great question because one thing that has really surprised me, if I go back to that that earlier version of me who I described that was looking at the other, you know, the women in the office and feeling really discouraged. I have been really surprised, positive in a very positive way, how comfortable I am now with childcare. I didn't Mm. think, and again, maybe I've just gone going through this experience has helped me. I think it has helped me let go of a lot of control. And I look back and I say, you know, that was probably a manifestation of wanting to have control of everything. I couldn't possibly imagine, you know, leaving my child in the care of someone else for all that time. And I just had such judgment judgments of myself and what that would mean for me as a parent. Um, I can told, I can honestly say, and I, I really didn't think that I'd be able to say this and I'm so grateful that I can say that when I am, when my daughter is in the care of my nanny for, you know, six hours a day or whatever it is, I really have been able to fully, I am like 100% in my work and I am not, Mm -hmm. I love her to death and she is my beautiful baby, but I am not thinking about her every waking moment. Like I thought I would, you know, of course I like not an hour goes by where I don't think about her. I hear her laughing upstairs and I like smile, but my work time is like, I am really able to sink my teeth in, in a way that is so gratifying. So that I think, you know, doesn't change uh, for people who are in a more traditional setting or, you know, they need to be away f- longer. The ca- I've, no- I've learned a few things. I mean, first of all, childcare is like so fit. There's just so many fantastic outlets of childcare out there. And yeah. I've definitely let go of some of that judgment that I had for myself. And frankly, mm-hmm. if I'm honest for others who made that decision, I would, yeah. I didn't understand it before, but yeah. now I totally do. I, I totally, totally do. And I think, you know, if that's the season that you're in and 
And I do think life is, I've really learned life is all about seasons, you know, and if you're in a situation where you do have to, you're not able to set up your life in a way that allows you to have this like idyllic, you know, situation, if that were me and I, and, and I had to do that, I would absolutely not judge myself or beat myself up. I think that it is so important for, let me just say that those three months of my maternity leave were so much harder. Mm-hmm. I think so much harder. I remember when my nanny when I first got my nanny and every day that she would show up, it still feels like this sometimes where I was like, it felt like a vacation going to work, yeah. you know, and it's <laughs> like, it, it is so I like my hat is like so off to women who are, you know, full-time stay-at-home moms. I think it is the hardest job. So for people who are like nervous about this or they want to, they're not sure how this is going to work out. I really am here to say that I think if you have the desire to have meaningful work, I think that you absolutely have to prioritize that. I know it makes me a better mother and a better wife. So I think that again, like you said, Melissa, checking in with your intuition and if it, I think finding the right balance is really important. I've been in a situation, I've had to adjust my childcare a little bit because I actually didn't have enough help in the beginning. And that feels Mm -hmm. every bit as bad as having too much help. So I think you have to sort of find that balance where you feel like you're, you have the space to be creative and to work on your business or, you know, whether that's being employed for somebody else or, or entrepreneurship, um, and also feeling like you're engaged at home. So it's not about having it all, but I do think it's about feeling really, um, at peace with, the, the way that everything, the way that everything works out in terms of how you're balancing it. And I hate to even yeah. use the word balance because like has such connotations of, you know, perfectly balanced. It's, that's not really what I'm saying as much as I think you just have to find a way to make sure that you're engaged in that part of you that feels called to do meaningful work as yeah. well as, you know, be the type of parent that you want to be. And I think it's a hundred percent possible. It is so, yeah. we're so lucky whether you are an entrepreneur or not, where, you know, technology and all these things do allow us to, I'm hearing more and more people with creative setups, whether it's like, maybe you don't work remote a hundred percent of the time, like I do, but tons more companies are doing, you know, like potential to work on work from home on Friday or shares with people and things like that. So I think if you're having that, if you're in that position right now and you want to change your setup, I would really say like, be creative and don't be afraid to have those conversations because there's just like no reason in the year 2017 where we can't figure out a way to, you know, be more inclusive and supportive of parents, mothers and fathers who want to want to have all of this richness in their lives, I think. And I think that's important. Something I hear in like the theme and what you're saying is figuring what that meant to you. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, what was essential for you to keep feeling like yourself and contributing and then also what you really needed. And I think what happens is sometimes people, you know, make a plan. So this is the plan. I'm going to have this, you know, X amount of weeks off or X amount of time off. And then I'll just go back and everything will be normal or like, oh, we'll have this much child care or oh, we'll have this kind of structure and people try it out. And if it doesn't work, going back to the drawing board with with your partner or your support system and saying like, I thought I thought I could do Monday through Friday or I thought I could do like afternoons only. And I realized actually I want three mornings and two afternoons because there's just things that happen in the afternoon with the baby and also with you as a human. And so I think that that's something that I've seen more with my friends making transitions, whether it's being, you know, full time stay at home mom and still still preserving time for yourself or, you know, combining work and home time I think that that's the biggest thing is that you you and your partner both need to be on board and agreeing about those kinds of decisions and and that dialogue because you know what works at 10 months might not work at two years old too so I think that that's kind of like 
I think in that energy of like, I'm going to prove it. Like I can have it all. Like I can work and I can do these things. We kind of like make these plans again to kind of control the situation. And we put the achievement markers on, okay, if I can go back to work three quarters time, then I've made it, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's like, you just don't know what that's going to look like through those transitions. It it, it will always change. I I love what you just said, Laura. And I think, you know, using the word intuition again, and these are all words that are loaded, balance and intuition and all of these things. But to me, like in this in this situation, intuition means listening to your life. It means mm-hmm. paying attention and saying, this is working, this is not. And and the advocacy piece is huge. Like, you know, we, not all of us like work for companies that will, you know, will give a generous maternity leave package. I mean, there are companies that offer pretty much next to nothing because we yep. live in the United States of America. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, we all have the ability to, to be a voice in, in that kind of, in that world and, and to be pushing for things like that and for more flexible Mm -hmm. work arrangements for mothers. And I think that the creativity piece is huge as well. Like sometimes people just need to think outside of the box and you, and, and to, and to bring that, like bring that to life to say, okay, here's an idea. Why don't we try this? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think that piece is really big. I I remember one thing I, I didn't mention is when I was still with my former company, I had a, a tremendous a boss and mentor who was a male and he was older, but he was phenomenal. And I was starting to have all the feelings I already, I already articulated and, and he was really smart and he was in his fifties and he looked around and this company was very young, all women in their twenties who were getting married. And he sort of was like, okay guys, you know, we better go to leadership about this. Cause what's going to happen when all these women start having babies, there was no plan. And together we came up with a plan and we went to our human resources department and we tried to like pitch some sort of, you know, creativity. And there was just no flexibility there. And that was one yeah. of the things that was so um, disheartening for me. So I bring that up to say that if you, I think it's a great stress test for if you're, tr- if you're trying to figure out what this looks like for you, like if you're in the beginning innings of this and you try to be creative and you're met with so much resistance, I think that'll give you a really good into it, a really good, um, indication of like, maybe I need to challenge like this, this situation might not be as supportive as I was hoping it was going to be. And maybe you make a different Mm -hmm. decision. So I've I've had both experiences, right? Because I went to that human resources department and they sort of were very resistant, uh, which I think is unfortunate. And then of course now with fizzle, like it was total opposite where they were sort of like, what can we do to be supportive of you? And I I could not ask for more support and, and, um, you know, help through this. So it's Mm -hmm. definitely out there. It definitely exists. And if you don't ask for it, my experience has been, it's not, like you just won't in a lot of cases, unfortunately, where we are today still in the United States. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. It's not going to just fall into your lap typically. So it it is important to be a voice for yourself. Yeah. Well, I think we will, I think we'll wrap things up. Um, Is there anything else you want to share Steph before we do? I don't think so. I just, you know, thank you guys for giving me, this has been so much fun. I always like all my, all my podcasting, I'm always talking about business and it's so fun to talk about (laughs) something so different and so personal. And, uh, I just appreciate you guys giving me and other women a platform to, um, to not only share, but also to process like what is such a unbelievable experience. And, uh, it's just so cool to be part of this community and to see you guys building this community. I just think it's so important and, uh, it's so much fun. So thank you guys for having me. Uh, Thanks for sharing with us. Yeah. We love the way you articulate your story. So we can't wait to share it with our listeners. Thanks Thanks for listening to mother birth and being a part of this community. We'd love for you to subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. And don't forget to rate us in iTunes, which helps other listeners find us. We'd also love to hear from you at motherbirth.co. 
if you have any ideas for topics for us to cover or if you'd like to be on the show. I think it goes without saying, but Mother Breast is a personal podcast created by Laura and Melissa. It's intended as general information. It doesn't constitute or substitute medical advice of any kind. You should always consult with your primary care provider with respect to your medical care. If you're pregnant, planning on becoming pregnant, or in the postpartum period.